Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs. We are back and joining us, Joshua P. Warren. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, Just before we get going into this, there's so much I could cover talking to you. We could spend hours. Um, But now you're down in uh, Puerto Rico right now, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. Um, I spend a good chunk of my time here. Um, I have a, a condo here on the beach, and uh, I operate the Bermuda Triangle Research Base, which I started piecing together about 10 years ago. And that's because the more I spent time here, the more I realized that there seems to be more paranormal activity per square foot uh, right here on this little island than anywhere else. Uh, and whether one is investigating uh, UFOs or ghosts or cryptids or psychic phenomena or those very bizarre interdimensional, you know, warp-like mysteries that are so often connected to the triangle, um, there's a little something for everyone here. And uh, so I'm, I'm trying to find out what is the, uh, the common denominator. Right. Now, do you, has there ever really been a resolution to the whole Bermuda Triangle? Uh, no, absolutely not. In fact, a lot of people, you know, when they think of the triangle, they only think of it in terms of the disappearances. Mm-hmm. And that's actually just a very small part of the overall puzzle. Um, in fact, you know, th- this area of the ocean is statistically uh, no more dangerous than any other area. I mean, you don't have to uh, um, acquire extra insurance or something <laughs> like that to ship through here, you know. Uh, it's, it's very highly traveled. 
It's just that when disappearances occur, they happen in truly weird, profound ways. I mean, obviously everybody thinks about the, um, the flight of Navy bombers that disappeared in the 1940s. Um, you know, the uh, leader said, hey, everything looks strange, nothing seems as it should, even the ocean looks weird, and then they all disappeared. And then uh, a large rescue plane was sent out, and uh, it too promptly vanished. And there's never been a trace of those. Uh, and, and speaking of which, um, I, just a few months ago, a new report um, surfaced, which I am digging into. Apparently, a, um, a ship was floating off of the coast of Cuba, and um, the Cuban authorities tried to make contact with it, and there was no response. It didn't have the proper uh, beacons. So they sent out three patrol boats to intercept it. When they got there, they found the ship was completely empty, and this was, in fact, a ship that had, quote, disappeared 90 years ago. Uh, it was, it, I think they said it had left Charleston, South Carolina, with uh, a load of coal headed for Havana, and, and just vanished, and, and has been a part of the Bermuda Triangle lore for 90 years, and, and now they find this thing, uh, I think it was in pretty good condition. Um, now, I find it hard to believe that a ship like that has just been floating around undamaged through all these hurricanes and whatnot for 90 years and nobody's noticed it. So right. I'm, I'm trying to go and take a look and see if maybe this thing actually slipped through a portal and it disappeared yesterday and has reappeared, so to speak. So those kinds of things certainly happen. We don't know why, but... From a larger point of view, I think that uh, what we're finding is uh, an enormous relationship between paranormal activity and gravitational anomalies. And if you look at a gravity map of planet Earth, you'll see that the gravity here is some of the lowest and weakest on the planet. And um, I'm studying the possible connection that the, the, the weak gravity may have to allowing some of these things to manifest. That's just amazing. You, you must just love your life. <laughs> I do. I have a wonderful life. I mean, it's amazing. Every single day I wake up and I'm, I just can't believe it. I'm so thankful. And, you know, I, uh, I guess I decided at some point that, um, you know, when you're a kid, they tell you you can grow up and be whatever you want to be, you know. And, well, I guess I actually believe that. And <laughs> you're not supposed to believe that, I don't think, but I actually did. And so somehow I was able to carve out this uh, incredible life where I'm just out there exploring things all the time and people value my approach and, uh, and I make money off of it. So it, it works great for everybody. Yeah. Well, I must say, you do, you do the job well and people receive you quite well. So, you know, keep doing it. That's fa fascinating, you know. Uh, uh, now, you own the Puerto Rico, the, the, um, you own the research center? I do, yes. I am the, uh, the director and owner, and uh, we have uh, members who come down here on expeditions, and um, you know, we've had people from all over uh, North America come here, and um, you know, we take them around to different sites where phenomena have occurred, um, share results with them. Um, so it, it, for people who, um, who have to stay locked into that kind of nine-to-five more typical, you know, office day job existence. It gives them a chance to, you know, play Indiana Jones uh, a week out of every year and um, and come here as a part of the base and, and get to go out on on adventures in the rainforest or 
or uh, out at sea uh, where USOs have been seen, you know, zipping in and out of the ocean. And so um, it, this is kind of like Fantasy Island here when you're running around it with, with me. <laughs> but uh, are you tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know what? If I were, my plane rides would be much more comfortable. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, I'm a, I'm a tall guy. That's the one thing that I don't like, all the traveling and being stuffed into airplanes. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Designed for different shapes and sizes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's fascinating. Uh, now, the, the other uh, aspect, I've been, I've been following this. I think this is uh, amazing. And uh, people earlier on the show, I, I played your clip, so they, they do have it, and I want them to go to your website about the, uh, the uh, photo in the White House. And uh, I think that's fascinating. So uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, um, that photograph has really uh, sort of amazed me and puzzled me for, for years now. And um, I finally decided to go to Washington, D.C. this year and roll up my sleeves and get in the trenches and do my best to get to the bottom of this picture because nobody seemed to really know that much about it or how to even analyze it. And for people listening who have no idea what I'm talking about, um, in 1950, President Harry Truman was reconstructing the inside of the White House. And this whole process was being documented by a National Park Service photographer named Abby Rowe. Uh, he was a very esteemed, credible photographer. He, in fact, was the most trusted photographer for five different presidents by the time of his death. And so Abby Rowe was, uh, he took lots of pictures inside the White House as it was being, you know, completely gutted and then rebuilt. And there is one image uh, that he took of a large gutted out section of the building that shows a bulldozer operator in the foreground and, uh, and sitting on a bulldozer. And then in the background, you have three men just kind of, you know, standing, lounging a little bit off to the side. But then in the very back, there is this one very different looking figure. Um, it's, it appears to be kind of, um, kind of a tall, lanky looking man to me. And, um, but it's, it's one of those things where you don't have to look and strain your eyes. It's not like looking at clouds and being like, oh, I, I kind of see it. I mean, you know, when you look at this, you see a, a clear uh, human figure there. Yeah. And, it's a, it's a, and I, I've, I think it's a full-bodied apparition because it looks very translucent. And I have uh, a pretty decent background when it comes to photography and even cinematography. Um, and I certainly know many, many people who, who are much more apt in those areas than I am as well that I've worked with. And so I'm familiar with long exposures and double exposures. And I used to take a lot of photographs on that plastic stuff called film way back <laughs> in the day. And so um, I understand, you know, a little bit about how those worked. I had medium format cameras I would use. So, and this just didn't look like something that you could immediately explain uh, as, as, as some kind of a typical effect due to the other elements in the photo. So um, I decided I was going to, to get as close as I could to, to the source of that photograph. I mean, I know it's an official U.S. government photograph, so nobody can test its authenticity. But I wanted to find the negative. And what I discovered, and, and in this video report that I released, you can't even—I didn't get into all the details of how really 
elaborate the process was of trying to, to get that negative. But I started by going to the Truman Library, and the Truman Library sent me to the National Park Service office in Harper's Ferry, and the one in Harper's Ferry sent me to the office in Maryland, and then the guy in Maryland passed me off to another guy in Maryland, and then that guy in Maryland passed me off to another guy in D.C. who is the White House liaison who had to then get in touch with the Secret Service, and then the Secret Service uh, was communicating with him. At the same time, I was communicating with the National Archives to get the National Archives to sync up with the Secret Service to give me access. I was being bounced around like a pinball yeah. between all these different bureaucratic uh, agencies. And eventually, they just decided not to grant access to that negative. They couldn't even confirm if they had the negative, but they wouldn't even give me the opportunity to go into the National Archives facility where the negative would have possibly been to look because they felt that uh, supposedly this was a risk to White House security. Now, we're talking about a picture that has been published out there for years. Yeah. It's just a historic photo. What's the problem? And so if you go to my website, joshuapwarren.com, uh, I always have to reiterate there's no period after the P. If you go to joshuapwarren.com, you can uh, click a link there to watch my uh, free 14-minute video report on, on sort of the process that I went through, what I learned when we tested all this out. But most importantly, and thank you for giving me an opportunity to address this, um, I'm hoping that anybody who watches that video and reads the report and looks at the enhancements, who wants to, to see that negative, just to actually get the opportunity to have access to it, will, um, will contact their mainstream media and say, hey, look, it's Halloween time. This is the perfect time of year to talk about this. Contact the National Archives. Contact the White House. Put some pressure on them to, uh, to, re to release the negative of this photograph because that would um, – it, it's not really going to dramatically change what anybody thinks about the picture, but um, it would be the, the last piece of the puzzle to actually have that thing in our hands. Right, right. Well, what do you think the, the real issue is here? Like, I mean, it's not really uh – any threat to the uh, White House if they released the uh, negative. I, I don't understand that. You know, um, at that point, it's easy for us to dig into some, you know, conspiratorial thinking. But I would say if we go down that road, well, we have to look at um, a lot of the variables um, surrounding that time period. For one thing, you know, this was during the Truman administration, and um, Truman was uh, certainly one of the most controversial people in history. Uh, a lot of people consider him a hero because he brought an effective end to World War II, but a lot of people also villainize him for uh, unleashing atomic warfare on mankind. Um, and so after he dropped the atomic bombs, he became an incredibly powerful president. Uh, arguably the most powerful president we've ever had. Uh, he was also the president when the Roswell incident happened. And uh, after the Roswell crash, whatever that thing was, after that thing crashed, it's, it's interesting to note that 18 days later, he signed the National Security Act, which formed the Air Force, the CIA, uh, the National Security Council, later on the National Security Agency, the NSA, all that stuff was formed under his administration. Um, the very first uh, Secretary of Defense, James Forrestal, was installed. 
who actually ended up uh, supposedly committing suicide later on, which is one of those weird stories that a lot of people don't know much about. Um, so there's a lot of conspiracy uh, uh, related to to his presidency and the fact that uh, when World War II ended, everybody was still walking on eggshells because that very quickly morphed into the Cold War. And nobody knew who was going to, to drop the next nuke. And so uh, you combine that with these stories about possible contact with extraterrestrials or some other type of interdimensional beings, and it makes you think that if during that period of time there actually um, were meetings that were happening with other beings or other technologies, uh, then that might be a particularly sensitive period of White House history. And it is therefore possible that any photograph which has something weird in it uh, might somehow connect with this or be a clue. Um, I think this is a ghost. Maybe it's not a ghost. Maybe it's some kind of a, you know, a, a being, for lack of a better term, that, uh, that was hanging around the White House at that time. It doesn't matter if it is or not. The mere possibility that that kind of thing was going on at the time might give them an excuse to say, look, all, we're going to just make this easy. Uh, we're not allowing uh, any more access to any of these images for this period of time because all of it is risky. Yeah. Now, now you have an idea of who you think that that apparition is of. Yeah. Well, you know, um, the funny thing is, when I was the whole time I was doing the research of the image, um, I still wasn't exactly sure what part of the White House the apparition seemed to be standing under. Um, and I've been into the White House. I, I got to go into the White House on a nice little tour in um, in 2011. Uh, but they, you know, I asked President Obama if I could go in there and investigate ghosts, and he didn't even reply to that, not surprisingly. But the White House is 55,000 square feet, and it's got 132 rooms. And so you can imagine my surprise toward the end of my investigation when I learned that of all places that figure could have been standing, it was standing directly beneath the Lincoln bedroom. Now, the Lincoln bedroom was actually Abraham Lincoln's office during his presidency. Uh, in the middle of the Civil War, there were military maps just plastered all over the walls of that room. That's the room where he signed the Emancipation Proclamation. And over the years, many ghosts have been seen in the White House, but Lincoln's ghost is by far the most prominent and, and seen by some pretty credible witnesses who have been open about their experiences. Uh, one of my favorite is uh, an encounter from Winston Churchill, Prime Minister of England. Uh, he was staying in the Lincoln bedroom, and uh, every evening he liked to wind down by having a hot bath with a glass of scotch and a cigar. So apparently he just finished up his bath, and he walked from the bathroom, buck naked, uh, save his cigar, if you will. And uh, here he sees, uh, much to his shock, President Abraham Lincoln standing there kind of leaning against the mantle and, uh, and looking at him. To which Churchill replied, or, or to which he said, uh, Good evening, Mr. President. You seem to have caught me at a bit of a disadvantage. And then Lincoln smiled and disappeared. Yeah. Um, so there are so many stories about Lincoln 
haunting that area. Uh, as a matter of fact, even the Truman family had encounters with what they believed were Lincoln's ghosts. Uh, I, I think this is most likely Lincoln's ghost, especially when you compare it to images of Abraham Lincoln like I've done on the, on the webpage. I, I recently put a new update there. Um, I think that's probably what we're looking at. But uh, on the other hand, um, if we had the negative, we might be able to get even more detail out of it. Right, right. Kind of verify what you see. And um, Now, is, do, you, do you think there's a reason why? Maybe uh, Lincoln is uh, hanging around? Oh, sure. Um, Lincoln was, for one thing, you know, he always had a very gloomy personality. And I think that, you know, he sensed that um, in order for him to, to bring about such mass change in the United States, uh, he was going to have to sacrifice himself. I don't think uh, he had any doubt that somebody was going to kill him at some point. So he was always, um, you know, always had a, a melancholy sense about him, but I think that he felt the changes that he were, was trying to bring about were worth it if this actually worked out, if it actually saved the Union and if, the, if it actually you know, helped this country stay glued together. And I think he would be very, very curious to know whether or not it worked out. So that is to say, um, when Lincoln died, if he had the, the choice to move on to the next phase of existence or to stick around another you know, maybe a couple hundred years just to see how this thing all worked out, uh, I think he would choose to stick around. Uh, out, of, out of curiosity to see if all the lives that were lost and the sacrifices that everybody made were worth it. Um, and I certainly believe he would be very pleased. So um, that, that's why it, when you hear people talking about Lincoln's ghost, usually they're talking about an entity, him being interactive, conscious, aware. And so um, I think that's a pretty good reason for him to stay around. Wow. That's a... Uh... That's a great, great uh, story. Well, we'll see what happens. So you're going to put pressure on and see what we can get done, hey? Yeah, I think that's, you know, that's the idea. I mean, it's a, it should be a fairly innocent request. Um, you know, again, the press is always dying for some kind of uh, spooky story at Halloween. Uh, we have a very political climate right now with the elections coming up next year. So I think it's a perfect time for us to, uh, to get our... our media to uh, just contact the White House, start with the White House. Cause, you know, if, if you go anywhere else, um, there's still ultimately, I guess, anybody at the White House, the Secret Service or somebody to sign off on it is what my impression is. So, uh, you know, even if you go to the National Archives, and because I, I can tell you, if you email me and you really want to dig into this, I can tell you exactly the, the name and the phone number and the email address of the woman at the National Archives facility in College Park, Maryland there, that has the drawer that we want to open and look into. And she says she's happy to let us do it, but she can't do it without the clearance from the Secret Service. So, hmm. um, so you know, if anybody is serious about this, I can tell you how to get in touch with that lady, and then you can see for yourself how to follow up and, and, uh, and proceed. Hmm. It's really an interesting subject. It's just, uh, just uh, I don't know why they just don't let it out. That just do you, do you think it's connected to the UFOs? Area well, fifty one. 
You know, that's a, that's a great question because, to be honest with you, after having spent 25 years professionally investigating weird phenomena, I have come to the conclusion that when you stick around long enough in this field, you eventually see how it's all connected. Um, ghosts and UFOs and cryptids and psychic phenomena, all that stuff are facets of the same mystery. Um, a lot of people do not like to hear that. Uh, it, it always reminds me of the quote by Charles Fort, you can measure a circle beginning anywhere. And I've talked to, for example, UFO enthusiasts who take a very nuts and bolts approach to the UFO subject, and they just hate it when UFOs are compared to ghosts or Bigfoot or something like that, you know, because they think it, it undermines the credibility of their UFO research, which is kind of humorous because, you know, everybody else thinks they're nuts to begin with, right, for <laughs> studying UFOs. Um, so, but me, on the other hand, what I find is that if you want to look at the commonality between these things, it really boils down to time. And let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, it's easy enough to see the time component when you're looking into ghosts, because usually ghosts are some kind of an apparition that seems to be out of place in time. Uh, the, the, the one being like the Lincoln apparition, you're seeing a guy who supposedly died, you know, hundreds, uh, 150 or whatever years ago. Um, that's how how ghosts apply. When it comes to UFOs, uh, you always hear about people experiencing missing time, or you have these other weird situations where somebody's driving down the road in a pickup truck or whatever, and they see the UFO overhead, and the truck stops working, and then the UFO flies away, and the truck just starts working again. It's not like the driver has to turn the ignition again. Um, so it's not as if the engine had been killed and had to be restarted. It stopped and then started again as if time had been paused. And in that case, however, it didn't seem to pause the consciousness of the individual because your, your brain is actually a separate little independent time machine, which is a bit of a different subject. But that, that, now let's look at cryptids. You get these reports of you know, creatures like Bigfoot or whatever walking down a pathway they're following the footprints, and then all of a sudden the footprints just end in the middle of the path, as if this thing, you know, was raptured away uh, and sort of changed its position in space. And we know, of course, that space and time are connected. They're part of the same thing. So once again, there's time. And then, of course, psychic phenomena, time plays an integral role in that, being able to peer into the future or to uh, relive things from the past. So time is the great mystery here, and it's funny because you know, your, your brilliant um, scientists will tell you the same thing. You know, Einstein obviously was obsessed with time. Uh, so even a, a mainstream legitimate scientist will say time is a, just a mind-boggling mystery. So it's not surprising that time would be uh, a fundamental component when it comes to the paranormal. Now, you, we apply that to the White House situation, getting back to that, uh, if, you, if you're mindful of what I just said, well, and you understand all this, well, you can see how that a ghostly phenomenon that's well-documented uh, would absolutely relate to some kind of uh, extraterrestrial or interdimensional interaction that might be taking place. Because if 
whatever came to us, whatever crashed at Roswell, was a being from some other dimension and or some other planet, then the only way we can conceive of that this thing was able to reach Earth uh, was if it had a technology advanced enough to somehow manipulate the, re the normal relationship between matter and energy and space and time. And so uh, you could say that from that point of view, anything related to the Roswell crash and these exotic technologies that were suddenly taken seriously uh, would uh, maybe you know, stigmatize the release of any other type of uh, paranormal um, evidence from within the White House during that very, very sensitive time period. And mind you, uh, we're still not past that time period. You know, look at uh, President George H.W. Bush. You know, he was a fighter pilot in World War II. He's still alive. I mean, there are guys out there in positions of power and influence who remember being scared to death that the Nazis were going to come and take over. And so, you know, we have not outgrown that uh, generation of people who are still paranoid over how close we came to disaster in World War II. Right. Still a huge influence in the world. And now, and this also brings me to the uh, to the men in men in black. Um, now, from what I understand and listening to you, uh, you, there are such things as men in black. Oh sure, yeah, they're out there. Um, it, it's hard to to define what you're talking about because. In some cases, you just have dudes who put on a black suit and follow you around and are all creepy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just being downtown in certain cities. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, more seriously, there, yeah, there are plenty of um, experiences that people have with these types of spooky characters that seem to have some aura of officialdom or authority about them. But uh, certainly don't reveal it. Um, and uh, that's why, you know, to me, it seems clear that when President Eisenhower was warning us about the military-industrial complex, um, he was saying very plainly that... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Um, we are going down this slippery slope where powers that were once relegated to government and to some degree civilian oversight are going to gradually slip into um, private domains and private organizations and uh, th- these companies that are basically you know, subcontracted. And I would presume that uh, maybe now even most of the so-called government that operates nowadays is subcontracted private organizations. And, and they do that because these private organizations have all these protections. They don't have to be as accountable as um, the people who are directly uh, overseen by elected officials. And so the men in black are probably um, one of these kind of blurry organizations or part of a blurry organization that um, sort of works in that uh, nether realm between private corporate, um, the private corporate world and, and government agencies. And what I have found is that you can go back and you can look at these reports about the men in black appearing to be very awkward. Uh, like, for example, my, my favorite one uh, is uh, in the Mothman Prophecies by John Keel in which he describes one of these men in black showing up in Point Pleasant during uh, the heyday of the Mothman sightings. And, uh, and and this guy, you know, he just looked like he wasn't quite comfortable in his own skin. And, I mean, uh, he, he couldn't communicate uh, in, in, in a normal, effective way. And, and they saw him sit down in a diner, and he ordered some Jello. And he was trying to drink the Jello through a straw, you know. And and when and if that kind of a story is true, and and who knows if that's true or not. But if those kinds of stories are true, then that would indicate that some of these men in black might actually be, you know, like the old aliens wearing the human mask, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's why they don't quite fit in so well. Uh, on the other hand, I have had my own personal run-ins with what I can call men in black that I can speak to firsthand. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it, it's funny because I, um, my whole life, you know, I was, I was born in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, both sides of my family have been in that area literally for hundreds of years. So I'm, 
about as, as native as a, as a non-Native American could be, and, and there's a little Cherokee in there as well. So born in Asheville, North Carolina, I have never been arrested. I've never been in any, any trouble law. I have a passport. There's no reason whatsoever that the FBI should have a record on me or that there are you know spooky little government agents following me around unless some of the research that I've tapped into has been too sensitive. And I was able to confirm uh, that the FBI has a file on me. As a matter of fact, you, anybody can do this. It's a very simple procedure. You can get online, print out a form requesting um, any records that they may have on you, and uh, you send it in with proof that you are who you say you are, and they have to, by law, respond to that. And so I was curious, and so I did this years ago, and they sent me a letter and they said, Yes, indeed, you know, we do have files responsive to your request. However, they were not in the uh, location that we uh, anticipated them to be in, so you, you'll have to appeal this if you want to take it any further. So they're in the same place that the uh, negative for the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> right. So I can tell you for a fact that some of the work that I've done has pushed some buttons somewhere. Now, more specifically... The first time I started ever noticing that um, my work had gone beyond just talking about ghosts and people laughing me off as just somebody who's, you know, trying to freak out little kids around a campfire or whatever, uh, was when I started talking about the mysteries on the moon. That changed dramatically um, what I started experiencing and the way I started being treated. And, and what I mean by that is, um, for about 15 years, I uh, was mentored by a man named Charles A. Yost. Uh, he died in 2007. And Yost was a NASA Hall of Fame engineer. He won, um, or he was inducted into the Hall of Fame because he was one of the principal inventors of memory foam. Uh, a lot of people think of it now as like Tempur-Pedic foam. Um, but he had a laboratory in uh, Western North Carolina where he spent his, the, the last part of his life experimenting uh, with all kinds of amazing electrostatics technologies. And, and he took me under his wing, and uh, we built Tesla coils and Winschurst machines and Van de Graaff machines, and we did all kinds of just amazing experiments. Some of the most exciting times of my life were being there in that laboratory. It was like being in a wizard's workshop. And, uh, and I captured some of that in my own life, but my workshop will never be as cool as his was. So um, he worked on the Apollo projects. And he was, uh, he was a very, very strictly sort of uh, uh, material scientist. I guess you could call him a materialist scientist. Okay? He, he did not stretch his imagination out there into these kind of mystical, you know, woo-woo areas. He was very, very strict. A lot of people didn't like him. They were very intimidated by him. He was a very stubborn man, but he was really, really smart. And so even though I knew him well, I mean, there were still certain areas that I wouldn't discuss with him. But finally, you know, the day came when I'd, I'd gotten to know him well enough, and I said, so when you were working as a spacecraft designer on the Apollo mission that took me into the moon, and, and did you see anything fishy? Because, you know, how do you, how do you respond to these people who doubt whether or not we went to the moon? And I thought he would immediately just be like, oh, come on, give me a break. You know? yeah. But on the contrary, 
he paused and was quiet for a little while, and he goes, you know, let me show you something. Okay. So he took me into a little office, and he popped in a, uh, a VHS tape and showed me footage of the lunar surface uh, that was shot from one of our craft. I think it was from uh, Apollo 8 that was going uh, over the lunar surface. And you see the Earth in the background. And at one point there on the horizon of the moon, you see what looks like a little black hair sticking up. And as you get, you get closer and closer and closer, this hair gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It's changing perspective. And right as the camera is about to pass over it, it looks like a little puff of smoke comes out. And he said, now from the height that that thing was shot, he said, this little black object would be almost a mile tall. And, and it looked like a smokestack on the moon. I said, well, what the heck is it? He said, no, you tell me. He didn't have an answer. He didn't have an explanation. Uh, he certainly didn't think it implied that we hadn't gone to the moon, but he, it just made him say there's something weird here. Now, that had never been put on the Internet, that clip. And I finally talked him into letting me put that on the Internet. So I put that clip on the Internet. I went on Coast to Coast AM and talked about it. And, man, I'm telling you, it's like the next day my life changed. Um, for one thing, I, I got a campaign, just a campaign of people who were coming onto my discussion boards and just trying to shred every bit of evidence that I had brought up for any of my research in my whole life. And, and I noticed something weird about some of these people who were getting on the discussion boards and posting all this aggressive stuff. I realized they never slept 24 hours a day. Okay? <laughs> Yeah. So this is a team effort. And then my phone started uh, being tapped. I picked up my telephone. This was about two days later. I picked up my telephone. I heard two men talking on my telephone. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what the heck is going on here? And, and I, I don't, I, it was, it was so, uh, so surprising. I don't even remember what they were saying. It was just some kind of like mundane conversation. And then I said, who is this? And then they, <laughs> you know, they sh shut up. I got uh, the phone company to come to my house. It took like days for some reason before a phone tech had come. The phone technician shows up. Let me tell you what, this was not a phone technician. This guy did not look like a lineman. I had a very awkward interaction with him, long story. But when it comes to the men in black, I started having these guys uh, that were usually two at a time that would follow me around town. And they well, they didn't always dress in black. No. Uh, there were some occasions when um, they both actually literally had uh, uh, black pants, and one of them had a black uh, jacket, like a black blazer. But in other cases, they would just have blue jeans and T-shirts. But I noticed that they had, both of them had these big kind of bulky wristwatches. And that was very noticeable to me because I went to a restaurant one time and they were sitting at the restaurant and I, and I had an opportunity to really pay more attention to them. And you know what? If I could go back in time, if I could wind back, I would have, I would go, I would stand up and walk right over there and confront them and say, who the hell are you guys, you know? But at that time, I, I was truly intimidated. I mean, I was kind of freaked out by this and I just, I, I wasn't sure how, you know, if I crossed some line, if I was going to get 
trouble. You know, maybe I'd spilled some secret. I mean, I, I didn't know how, how deep into this I might have been. But those guys were following me around for about two weeks, I guess. And, excuse me, and then they, uh, they finally stopped. Um, now, that's my own personal experience, but I've talked to a lot of other people who've had experiences with these men in black, and that allowed me to come up with a strange theory as to what some of these men in black may be. It's, it's a really weird rabbit hole. Do you want to go down that right now? Or, uh... yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I'm totally interested. I, I just know that it's nothing like what we see in the uh, movie. No, no. Um, well, okay, when I started talking to all these people about their encounters with Men in Black, and by the way, Nick Redfern is a good friend of mine, and he's written a number of books about the Men in Black, and he, inc and he includes my experiences in there. You've, oh. you've, you've talked to him or seen those books? Oh, yeah, and I talked to him again uh, coming up next, next week, I think on Tuesday. Yeah, ask Nick about me when, if you want to, uh, oh, and yeah. about some of the experiences that I, <clears throat> I'd contributed he and I have known each other so long that we we usually like trade stories back and forth. I'm working on a book, and I'll call him up and ask, "Hey, what do you know about this?" And he'll do the same for me. Um, so, and by the way, I apologize if my voice is giving out a little. I've been doing a lot of talking lately, as I mentioned off the air. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, I started looking into. What the heck is the story with these men in black? And, and obviously, the, the, the very first question is, why do they dress in black? Why is that the thing that everybody associates with them? You know, there, there must be a reason for that. Um, if they're trying to be, you know, secretive and follow you around, then why would they have any kind of appearance that would be consistent enough for, for you to, to identify them, you know? Or is it just an intimidation tactic? So... The more I started looking into this question and, and believing that understanding, you know, the crux of understanding the men in black is understanding why they've been known for dressing this way, um, a, a, a little um, hypothesis began to formulate, which I now have uh, officially called the paratemporal loop hypothesis. And here's what that means. Um, if ever, 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 in all of the future, uh, somebody, be it human or otherwise, uh, is going to figure out how to travel back in time, then we can presume that they have done it. Uh, and, and, and actually, that's not such a big leap, but that's the hypothesis. If, if nobody ever figures out how to travel back in time, then the, the hypothesis ends right there. But if that is ever figured out, by anybody, and they've traveled back in time, we have to acknowledge what that means. What that means is, okay, let's say uh, millions of years from now, humans are extinct, but now the dominant creatures are like fish man or whatever, you know. And so fish man is a scientist, and he learns how to travel back in time. And so he goes back in time, and he realizes, wow, I ha I'm the most powerful guy in, in the world now because I can tweak little things in the past to improve my future when I get back and then he travels back to his present. So he, he goes back in time, he tweaks a few things, he goes back to his present and uh, everything's okay for a while and then he wakes up one day and it's all gone back to, to hell again and he says, what happened here? Well, unbeknownst to Fishman, uh, in a few million years after his people are long gone, uh, 
Bearman scientist figures out how to travel back in time. And he has gone back in time, and he's tweaked things to be favorable to his future at his present time. And what we end up with here is potentially uh, millions or, or billions of individuals from the future that are traveling back and tweaking things all the time. And this becomes confusing, uh, if you, especially if you notice it. Uh, a part of this might be what they call the dead celebrities phenomenon. Uh, maybe you've had an experience where um, you have seen a news report about a, a dead celebrity, and then you know, a week later the person's alive again. You're like, what the heck? I just I could have sworn I saw a report that this person was dead. Yeah. Um, I, there have been two, two occasions where that's happened with me. Um, so I, I think when that kind of thing happens, it might just be that you happen to get an opportunity to see the timeline being tweaked. And so if that's the case, well, maybe one day UFOs exist flying around. The next day they don't. One day Bigfoot exists. The next day he doesn't. And, and it just depends on what the state of affairs is. Well, this, is, this becomes chaos at this point. You're talking about the Wild West of time loops, all these different beings coming back and trying to mess with it. Well, somebody has to police the time loops here uh, at some point. And the men in black may be a part of an organization that is literally traveling through these different periods of time and trying to uh, regulate how this is being done. Now, why would they be wearing black? Well, it may be because if you're one of these officers with the men in black, so to speak, um, you might wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning and, you know, by 10 o'clock, you're in 1910, and by noon, you're in 1980, and then, you know, like uh, 2 o'clock, maybe you're in 1948 or whatever. Maybe this is the day when you're going to work on 20th century stuff, right? And you don't want to be changing clothes constantly all day long because that's a big pain in the neck. So what is the one simple outfit that a man can put on that will pretty much get him by through any period of the 20th century? Just simple. Black pants, black, you know, black uh, coat, black tie, um, and occasionally a black hat, which you know, obviously that would be a little bit more unusual if you're wearing that get up in 1999, but I've done it, you know, <laughs> so it can be done. Um, and, and, and therefore, if that is correct, if the men in black are dressing this way out of convenience, because they're going to be bouncing around the timeline during this period and they want to stick with a wardrobe that's going to, to work within that period, then you can use that um, as a guideline to go back throughout history and for any period of history, predict which men, if they ended up being recorded somewhere, were the men in black by, by figuring out what wardrobe would be the most useful wardrobe for any period of history for the longest period of time. Hmm. And uh, it takes somebody with some, some real expertise in, in history and... Um, and costuming and whatnot to, to figure that one out. But uh, that is essentially what I call the paratemporal loop hypothesis. I wrote about it in my book, The Secret Wisdom of Kukulkan. And I know that when you go down this 
you know, rabbit hole of, of time travel. I mean, you know, you get to all kinds of weird trouble and conundrums. But to me, that's, the, uh, that's actually a, a sensible way of looking at this. Wow. Wow. Well, who are they working for then? People from the future? Yeah, well, you know, that's the thing. We are not going to really know exactly where they stemmed from. Uh, it would make sense that they are from the future, but it's possible that time travel was invented long ago and we didn't know about it. You know, I mean, that's the thing. Whoever comes up with time travel is going to keep that a secret. Because if, if you can travel through time, I mean, again, it's the ultimate power. I mean, there is, there is nothing more significant than that, other than, you know, just sheer immortality, but um, which I, I think immortality is is impossible because all physical bodies must disintegrate at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter how long you live; eventually, you're going to have to die. Mm-hmm. Um, but time travel—that's that's a plausible possibility. Okay, and and these beings who are traveling around and manipulating the timelines, if indeed that's what's happening. And I don't know if that is. I just know that that would explain a lot of these weird things that are not so uh, neatly explained by these other approaches that we take. Um, if if, if the, 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 tra- the time traveling is happening like this, uh, it would be so secret that this may be the, the secret. You know, everybody talks about, like, what is the, the Illuminati really all about? You know, like, What's the biggest secret in the world? Well, this would be it. If you can travel through time, uh, this would be it. And maybe, maybe people have been doing it for, maybe they've been doing it for hundreds of years. It's just, it's just something that nobody talks about. Hmm. Well, that that opens up a whole other area. <laughs> yeah, it can drive you a little nuts if you spend too much time thinking about it. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. We spent just enough time. <laughs> Yeah, just enough without uh, the ears bleeding or anything. Yeah. Um, so, so listen. So, what uh, what's up for you next here? I know I, this the, you're doing the White House thing, and and we're all going to get behind you here. Um, what would be up next for you after Halloween? Well, you know, this year is a special year because I um I have a new book out which is called Use the Force: A Jedi's Guide to the Law of Attraction, and mm. um. A lot of people thought it was weird for me to write kind of a Star Wars-oriented book, but the fact of the matter is uh, all these years I've been studying ghosts and UFOs and, and psychic phenomena, I've really just been studying the relationship between matter and energy and what the boundaries of, of the, uh, the relationship are, what, you know, how far can we push the limits. So I've always been interested in applying that to how we live our lives and and. That's why law of attraction is something that I really dug deeply into, and I think it plays a major role in how the wishing machines work. And uh, there's a, a information on the wishing machine project also at my website there, joshuapwarren.com. And so when I wrote this book, it was it seemed like a perfect fit for the work I was doing, and it's done very well. It's already become a bestseller on Amazon, and. Um, this, of course, is uh, especially relevant because this new Star Wars movie comes out in late December. And so uh, I'm going to be traveling and promoting this book. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what my travel schedule is going to be, but the rest of this year I'll be uh, really taking advantage of the fact that people want to talk about the Force. And in this book I explain that the Force is a real thing and, and you can actually use it uh, to 
improve your life in every area, whether you, you're looking for more money or happiness or relationships or all the other things that uh, sleazy infomercial guys try to sell you all the time. <laughs> um, and so, you know, but you really can use it for those purposes. And so um, I'm going to be traveling around talking about that a lot. And then in January, um, I have been hired to speak on the big conspiracy cruise uh, that leaves from Los Angeles. It leaves, I think, January 24th. It's a seven-day luxury cruise. And we're going to go down to all the really nice places in Mexico, like Cabo San Lucas and Mazatlan and Puerto Vallarta. And uh, so the lineup for that thing is incredible. Um, I don't know if there are any spaces left for that, but uh, if there are, uh, and any of your listeners want to hang out with me for a week, um, just uh, go to uh, conspiracycruise.com. Also, there's a link on the news section of my website. And I tell people, if you're going to go on and do this cruise, make sure that you, when you sign up, you click that I was the one who referred you, because everybody who does that is going to get some special little surprises from me. We're going to have some special private meetings, and I, I'm literally going to bring uh, a little a little present for everybody who does that. So that'll be in January. And uh, then I recently shot a feature film, which I'm going to be getting edited, and hopefully that thing will be out um, maybe by February, uh, or at least start screening in a few places. So, wow. and, and then on top of that, oh, you never know what's going to happen. You know, tomorrow <laughs> I might wake up and there's a dead Bigfoot in my backyard. You know, you're just like, yeah. <laughs> every day's a brand new experience. I, I roll out of bed and I have no idea what's going to happen the rest of the day. Yeah, well, that's okay. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it keeps what, it interesting. And the feature film, like a film you, you did, that, what, what's the subject or do, do I even need to ask? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it's, um, it is based on a legend of a pirate ghost, but it actually is a comedy, which is surprising to a lot of people uh, when, they, when they find that out. Um, but it's, it's a pirate ghost comedy kind of thing that I, I shot uh, very simply on, on a low budget with uh, my good friend C. Eric Scott, who has been my uh, partner in crime on many, many TV and movie projects over the past 15 years. As a matter of fact, uh, Eric was my co-producer for the White House uh, video report there, the White House ghost video. Okay. And so, um, so you know, from time to time, I do things that are, uh, that are just, you know, kind of fun and uh, don't necessarily have to be, you know, so serious when it comes to doing the research. And uh, this is one of those fun things that I did, and hopefully it'll come out and it'll be as funny to watch as it was to make. Yeah. <laughs> Well, great. Well, now, I guess I can say it again. How do people get a hold of you? Uh, sure. You know, everything is condensed right there at joshuapwarren.com. Uh, there is no period after the P. And I do own, again, the Asheville Mystery Museum in Asheville, North Carolina. And uh, we produce ghost tours, Asheville's original ghost tours that were created and designed by me. And uh, we have the Haunted Pub Crawl. We have the classic ghost tour. We have a vampire and a cult tour. And you can imagine our whole month of October is selling out really quickly. Uh, it happens every October. But uh, if anybody happens to be in the, the area, then uh, if you're going to come through Asheville, you simply must take one of these ghost tours. I promise you it will be one of the most fun things you do on your whole trip. And uh, all that info is on my website. And also it's at hauntedashville.com. Wow. Sounds great. Boy, you're a busy, busy boy. 
It's insane. It's insane. As I just signed a, a book deal for a new novel, actually, um, and it's going to be coming out uh, very soon, probably by the end of the year. Uh, I'm, I don't really have permission to talk about that publicly yet, but it's all written. It's all done. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> where do you I, find I, the I, time? I mean, with the with the, the use of force and the wishing machine, and you wrote about the uh, uh, don't play with Robert. And yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> wow. Twenty four. My seconds. wife was my wife was telling me the other day that uh, when she was telling her mother about you know the new book I have coming out, her mother says, "Okay, you know he is an alien, right? The humans <laughs> don't do this, you know." Then, and there may be something to that, so that might be why I'm so interested in all yeah. these weird things. I might be uh, one of the uh, one of the offspring of the the others. Yeah, the others trying to find yeah. your family. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, it's been a pleasure. Um, thank you very much for taking the time and and giving us your your uh, wisdom, and uh, we appreciate it. Oh, well, you know what? You're very welcome, and thank you for the invitation to come on. It's amazing how quickly an hour flies when, when you're having fun. But we dug into a great spectrum of uh, phenomena, and I look forward to next time. Yeah, there's just so much to talk about, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's a pleasure. All right. Thanks, Alan. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, 
hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back 